0: Good morning, Mosaic
1: Church, and welcome to church this morning. I'm so glad that you are joining us wherever you are joining us from. Listen, at Mosaic Church, we stand on four pillars, four pillars that shape who we are as a community of believers. And that is we are a church that 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 endeavors to reach people that are far from Christ, to teach them the authentic word of God, to serve in our local community and to love like Jesus loves. That's what we're all about. That's what makes and shapes us as a body of Christ here at Mosaic Church. I'm so glad that you're here and I I have a word for you that I know is going to bless your life and that I hope uh, will bless your life. And you would share this with your friends and and your family. Uh, If you were with us on last week, we kind of talked about mountaintops and we talked about peaks in this new series entitled Peaks and Valleys. So we talked about how oftentimes mountains represent obstacles. Uh, Oftentimes mountains represent moments of great success and, and we also talked about how you could either choose to climb a mountain or you could be forced up one. And I shared with you from the Sermon on the Mount, one of the greatest sermons ever preached by one of the greatest men to ever live on the earth. I shared with you that that he was kind of pushed on the mountain after he had done so many wonderful miracles and and blessed so many people. And so today I want to share with you a little bit about the other side of it. So we talked about the peaks. Now I want to talk a little bit about valleys. But before I do that, let me just pray and then let's jump into this word. Heavenly Father, we thank you today. We thank you that you are God all by yourself. God, I'm so grateful for your word. I am cognizant of the fact that the flowers may fade and the grass may wither, but your word remains forevermore. And it is from your word that we've come together to put together this perfect poetry of of sermon uh, that will bless those who are listening today. God, I pray that the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart are pure and acceptable unto you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Bless me as I decrease so that you may increase and you may get all of the glory for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we talked last week about the peaks. So let's talk about valleys. When you think about valleys, I'm sure one of the first thing that comes to your mind, especially when we're speaking metaphorically, is that valleys represent low points. Why? Well, we, we think about it. The valley is typically centered low. A Valley is normally found in between two mountain peaks. And so when we think of uh, from a metaphoric standpoint, when we think of valleys, our first thought is we're thinking low. And when we think low, we think low points. But I want to tell you that valleys don't always represent low points. In case you didn't know, one of the most celebrated flowers that, that we know, one of the most used flowers in most weddings, and many weddings, celebrated even in Christianity, is a flower called a lily. This particular lily is called the lily of the valley, and the lily of the valley is found in low places. This particular flower you you, you can see used in a bunch of weddings, you can see people use it in photography, uh, you can see it all over the place because it's a celebrated flower that we find in the the valley. Some would say that it represents Eve's tears when she was in the Garden of Eden. So valleys can, can definitely represent good things. As a matter of fact, the water that flows from the high peaks that we stand on the mountains flows down to the valleys, and that's where we get fresh water. That's where we get clear and clean water. Valleys are, are, are incredible places of growth. And so what I want to do today let kind of unpack that for you. I want to encourage you because many would say right now, and you might even agree, that where we are right now in our lives, where we are right now in the world is considered maybe to you a valley moment. We're in a low place, but I want to change your low place mindset and show you that though you may be sitting low, you're actually sitting high. So. I want to use a particular scripture that's very familiar, and that's the, the 23rd Psalm. Now, this 23rd Psalm is one of the most common and most uh, revered Psalms of all the Psalms, especially when you're talking about scriptures that speak about valleys. Uh, and and I, I'll just, let's just go ahead and read that together the 23rd Psalm. Uh, you're, it's a very familiar passage, I know you're familiar with it, and, and it goes like this. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Now, listen, I did say that was a New Living Translation. I'm sorry. That's the English Standard Version of the Bible. And I chose that specific one because it does mention the shadow. You know, the interesting thing about shadows is this, that shadows make objects appear bigger than they actually are. So when the writer was saying, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the object of death is bigger than it actually is in that moment. Somebody can catch that. And so when we're walking through life and we're walking through the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death, the shadow of death is bigger than what it really is. That's the thing about shadows. They make objects appear bigger than they really are. I remember being a little boy and and, and, and walking with, with, with my little brother or, or some of my friends and, and just walking behind them or my little brother walking behind me, walking in my shadow, following in my shadow or my son walking in my shadow. And we would be walking in a park or something like that because the shadow made it appear big and he would look back at his own shadow and look and be like, wow, look, daddy, look how big I am. The shadow makes an object appear bigger than it is and shadows right now that we're facing in this valley moment make what we're facing appear bigger than what it is now hear me don't misunderstand me what we're facing right now in the world is a big thing but what we're facing is not bigger than our God please understand that that's all I'm saying so this 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 thing we're facing is a shadow of the reality that we're in because God is bigger than the dilemma and the crisis that we're in and I want to tell you something we're in this together. It's you. It's us. It's God. We're all in this together. And if God be for us, then what can be against us? That's the thing about shadows. They appear. They make objects appear bigger than they actually are. Now, you may feel in this moment that this problem or any problem that you're facing in life is too big for you. And the truth of the matter is that could be true. But there is no problem on this side of heaven that's too big for our God. And if you think that is the case, then we have to change your perspective a bit. Let me let me let me share something else with you. This particular Psalm, Psalm 23, was composed by none other than a young shepherd boy that became king. His name was David. Now, you may be wondering, how could David write such an incredible piece of work? How can David with bold confidence make such a proclamation that even in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff. They comfort me. How how can David write that? See, David can write that because that is what actually King David or the shepherd at the uh, in his lifetime. He walked through the valley of the shadow of death. He, he faced all kind of enemies and he was able to survive and write about all of the things he faced throughout his life. There's another thing that you need to know about valleys. God is a God of mountains and God is a God of valleys. How do I know that? Well, in First Kings, chapter 20, there was a war going on. Where, where, where Aram, the king of the time, uh, of, of his army, they were destroying the Israelites and, and they were kind of bullying them, the Israelites. And here's what was going on. Uh, the, uh, the, 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 the army of Aram, the uh, Aramians, if you will, that army was threatening to take Israel. And Israel knew they were outnumbered. So they kind of bullied them and says, hey, give me gold, give me all your gold, give me all your silver. And Israel like, hey, since we're outnumbered, sure, you can have it. And then the army of Aram, the Aramian army, got cocky and said, you know what? Give me your gold, give me your silver, all your jewels, give me your wives and your children. At this point, the elders were like, you must be out your mind. We're not giving you any of that. And so here's how cocky the the army of Aram was. This is what they said. First Kings chapter 20, verse 28 Then the man of God went to the king of Israel and said, this is what the Lord says. The Arameans have said, the Lord is a God of hills and not of the plains. So I will defeat this vast army for you. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So this is what the scripture is saying. I know I'm the God when you appear on the peak on the mountain, but I'm also the God that's in the valley. And if you think you're going to take, Advantage of these people not today or oh, you gonna learn today is what God was saying in this He was saying in essence, I'm the God of the peaks and the mountain But I'm also the God that's with you in the valley. David just confirmed that well Well, how can you confirm that pastor B? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you asked see when when when, when this group of people decided to attack the Israelites guess what God said go ahead and tell them that since they think I'm just the God of the hills let me show them the God of the valley this is what happened the Israelites barely had to fight they were outnumbered and in one day they killed 100,000 of the enemy army but then that wasn't it 27,000 more of the enemy army died because a wall fell on them that they didn't even push Because God said he would do that. He would destroy the enemies in the valley is where that battle happened. Now, let's talk about David and and the 23rd Psalm. Do you know that David was able to talk about this? I imagine, and I want you to use your imagination, David being out in the wilderness. David just praising God during his devotional time and suddenly starts to think, starts to think back on how God was with him. And during this time when David wrote this psalm, he wasn't like in a high place, he was on the run. So here he is on the run, here he is uh, trying to evade enemies, here he is uh, really fighting for his life, running for his life, and guess what happens? He pauses for a moment and reflects over his life in the past. And the reason he can say with bold confidence Even when I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because shadows make objects appear bigger than they actually are. And when I'm facing all kinds of trials, God is there. How do we know that? Well, one of the most famous the most famous and common biblical stories. I've seen corporations use this story. I've seen schools use this story. I've seen nonprofits, not just Christians, but all sorts of people recollect and recount this wonderful story about David and Goliath. You find this particular story in the Old Testament and the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. This story is all about David. Now, in case you're not familiar with the story, here's what's going on. There's a war going on. You got the Philistines on one side. You have the the Israelites on the other side. They're on each on each side of a mountaintop. Uh, The Philistines are on one mountaintop and the other ones are on the other mountainside. And in the middle of them is a valley. Now for 40 days, this warrior standing nine feet tall plus a few inches is keeping an entire army at bay. Why? Because of his reputation. Oh, he's known as one that can kick butt and take name. Oh, he's known as one in hand-to-hand combat. He has an undefeated record. Nobody to this day has destroyed him. So for 40 days, he's taunting the Israelite army. For 40 days, nobody will step up and fight him one-on-one, but then all of a sudden, here comes a shepherd boy who is sent to bring food to his brothers who were in the Israelite army, and while he's there, he's wondering, why are y'all sitting here while letting this dude punk y'all? Why are y'all sitting here letting this dude just chump y'all like that and not y'all not do anything? And here's what happens. Oh, this is where it starts to get juicy. David looks and says, hey, I'll, I'll take him on, Watch this, check this out. If you don't believe me, meet me over in 1 Samuel chapter 17, okay, verse 2 and 3. Let me lay down the typo, the, 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 the top of the, the landmark to land for you so you can see where everybody was. Here it is. Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. They were at the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills, or some some, uh, uh, verses will say, or some uh, translations will say uh, mountains, okay? With the valley between them, okay? So here we know, here's the setting. Two armies, as I told you, on each side of the mountain, on their own mountain, and in the middle of them, separating them, is a valley, okay? Remember, we're talking about peaks and valleys. So the first thing I want to share with you About valleys. Here it is. I want you to take some notes. If you got if you don't have a pen, catch up when you can press rewind, whatever you got to do later on. But I want you to take some notes. First thing you ought to know about being in a valley is that when you're in a valley, if you feel like right now in this season, you're in a valley. First thing you need to know, you've been training for this moment and didn't even know it. You've been training for this moment and you didn't even know it. You 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 were born in this generation during this time during this crisis for a reason because you're prepared for it And you didn't even know it watch 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 what happens with King David So we go to to first Samuel Chapter 17 jump with me to verse 32 through 34. Here it is Don't worry about this Philistine. David told Saul who was the king at the time He says I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous. Saul replied There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since he was a boy. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. And when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. And if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and claw it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of who? The living God, the Lord, here it is, who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Isn't that something? Watch this, he's not saying, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm that skilled, but I was out in a pasture watching over my daddy's sheep. And when an animal came that I had never faced before, I just stepped up to the plate and God delivered me from their claws. And then when a bigger animal stepped up to take one of the sheep, I had to lay down my life. And I remember when he he helped me overcome the jaws or the claws of that other animal Then I know he'll help me overcome the jaws or claws of this bigger animal, the bear. And so David is in his mind saying, you know what, if he did that for me, then he'll do it for me again. This giant, I've never faced a nine foot giant before. But listen, my God has trained me for this, has prepared me for this. And so if he has prepared me for this, I'm going to step up and I'm going to do this. And guess what? Let me tell you something. You've prayed a lot in your life. This ain't the first circumstance you face. Matter of fact, the last circumstance you face, I guarantee you were sitting here saying I've never faced anything like this before. And guess what? God delivered you from it. And you're saying right now, I've never faced anything like this before. And guess what God is going to do? Deliver you from it. You are already trained for this moment and you didn't even know it. You were preparing for it. You've been praying for it. You've been in the gym, the spiritual gym, working on it. And you are ready for this moment. So don't you fret. Just know what you have. You are ready for this. You've been training for this your whole life. Number two, you have everything you need to win within reach. Catch what I just said. You have everything you need to win within reach. Everything you need to win. And here's what I mean. I'm not talking about win COVID-19, but win whatever COVID-19 has you feeling emotionally. Well, I'm not talking about uh, winning COVID-19. I'm talking about willing, winning what COVID-19 has caused to shift in your life right now, whether it be emotional, financial, spiritual. You have everything you need to win within reach. Watch, watch how I know this. Watch, watch David. Check this out. 1 Samuel 17, 38 through 40. 1 Samuel 17, 38 through 40. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put on, put it on, strapped the sword over it and took a step or two to see what it was like. For he had never worn such things before. Pause for a minute. Here's what's going on. Some of y'all are putting on armor that you're not supposed to wear. During this time of crisis, you're putting on the wrong armor. It don't fit. You've never worn it before. You can't move in it. And and I don't know what that armor is, but you've put on the wrong armor. And this is why you're having a hard time fighting your way through this. This is why you're having a hard time navigating this crisis, because you have on armor that you're not supposed to have on. So watch what David did. So David, (laughs) he protested. He said, I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. Then, guess what he did? He picked up five smooth stones from a stream within his reach. Okay? He took five smooth stones from a stream. He put them in his shepherd's bag. Then, armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling. He started across the valley toward to fight the Philistine. Guess what? Everything you need to win this battle, you can win it. And everything you need is within reach. Everything you need is within reach. Take off the wrong armor. Put on the right armor. Here it is. Here's your book. This is your weapon. This is the choice weapon. David looked around. He says, you know what? I ain't never used a sword before. When I defeated the lion and the bear, all I had was a club. I know how to throw some rocks and I got my sling. I'm going to try that. If it worked on the lion, if it worked on the bear, I believe it's going to work on this giant the same way God delivered me from the lion, the same way God delivered me from the bear, even though I had never faced them before until I faced them for the first time, he will deliver me from this Philistine. He used what he already had, the training and skills he needed. He had already had all he needed was to find what was in reach. And what was in reach was five smooth stones. And if we read the Bible, you know, he only, took, he only used one to knock down him. And I want to tell you, you have everything you need within reach. You don't need self-help books right now when you got the good book. Come on, everything you need is within reach. You, you, you don't need to get on the phone and, and, and call a whole bunch of people. All you need to do is get on your knees. Everything you need is within reach. Uh, You don't need to worry about your finances. Go on ahead at this point and dust off your business plan. Everything you need is within reach. You've been training for this moment. Go ahead and grasp it. There's there's a there's a quote by a famous Puerto Rican poet that I love to say all the time. And it says this do like the bull in the face of adversity and charge. (laughs) Do like the bull in the face of adversity and charge. When when the bull is facing adversity, he doesn't run away. He doesn't cower. No, the bull sees adversity and he charges forward. And that's the mentality we gotta have. We gotta charge forward. That's the mentality that David had. He was facing adversity. He didn't do like the rest of the army did and sit back for forty days and did nothing and let one nine foot plus giant intimidate him. No, David was like, listen, I didn't face a lion before. I beat them lion I never faced a bear before I beat the bear I bet you I can beat this giant not by myself but with the power of God through the skills that I had to develop when I was in those other hard times are y'all following with me this morning say amen let me tell you something it wasn't just David's faith that got him to victory it wasn't David's faith that got him victory over Goliath it was his hope in God who delivered him from the jaws of the lions and bears. Watch this. Faith believes it's the blessed assurance, but hope expects. Faith believes it will happen. Hope expects it to happen. And David was operating on something greater than just faith. He was operating with hope. Okay. Okay. And so we've got to go with hope because hope expects it to happen. Hope says, if you did it before, I expect you to do it again. Hope says, if you protect me in the past, why wouldn't you protect me now? Hope says, if you provided for me in the past, I expect you to provide for me now. Hope says, if you help me defeat and overcome stuff I've never experienced before in the past, I expect you to do that same thing right now. That's what we have to operate in. We have to operate. With hope as well as faith. Okay. David wasn't unprepared for this battle. He just hadn't faced one this big. You're not unprepared for this crisis. You just haven't faced one this big. You're not unprepared for this crisis. You've just not faced one. You've faced crises before. You've faced stuff before. You've had challenges before. But guess what? Not this big, but the last one was too big and the one before that was too big. And look at you now. You better touch yourself and see. Aren't you here? You might be bruised, but you're not out. You might be limping, but you're still walking. You might be slurring your words, but you can still talk. You were delivered from whatever that is. You may have some scars and bruises, but you are here because you made it through and you're prepared for even this moment. You've racked up enough prayers and bruised knees in in preparation for this moment. You've got this and you're not alone. Number three, you're not fighting this fight by yourself. You're not. None of us in this world is facing this crisis by ourselves. This is a world issue. If you live on planet Earth, you're touched by this crisis. Did you hear what I just said? Now, if you live on planet Earth, you are touched by this crisis. If you live on another planet, thank you for joining us. <laughs> but if you live on planet Earth, you are touched by this crisis, even if it's not personally affecting your country, even if it's not personal. you are impacted by it because this is, it affects the world's economy, no matter where you live, okay? But you're not alone. We are all in this together. And when David went and fought the Philistine, guess what? He wasn't alone. Watch this. Uh, First Samuel 17, 45 through 47 says this. David replied to the Philistine. You come to me with a sword, a spear, javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And when and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. But not with a sword and a spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give it to us. Did y'all catch how bold and bad David was talking? That brother was talk. I mean, listen, this dude was a boy. The Bible says. Some scholars estimate between 12, 14 years old. 12, 14 years old, the average 12 or 14 year old back in that day. Listen, you didn't have a whole bunch of 12 or 14 year old six feet tall dudes back in those days. A grown man's height was like five, six. That was like tall for a grown man back in those times. Okay, so David might have been something like five feet tall, perhaps. And he's talking big and bad. To an undefeated nine foot tall giant who has a reputation for killing folks, who is undefeated, who held an entire army back for 40 days. You see the confidence David has. And that same confidence confidence exists in you and I. I mean, David is bold. David is bad. He like, come on and get it. You don't want none of this. You bringing all of this arsenal. I'm just me, homie. Come on, step to me. You don't want no smoke today, do you? (laughs) David is real. He's ready. Come on with it. And know why he's so confident? Check it out who he's giving all the confidence to. All of the credit to. He said, I'm going to defeat you, not by me, but the Lord's army. So I might show up, but you can't see them. There's a whole army with me that's going to destroy you. Woo-wee. And that's the kind of attitude we need to have I know I'm in a crisis right now I know COVID-19 has got me isolated I know COVID-19 got me in a house I know that the economic status is changing daily I know that people are dying daily But I serve a God who is a God that sits on high I serve a God who knows all Will be all, goes before all And is above all I serve a God who is the creator of the heavens and the earth I serve a God whose son was King to this earth who was in a place for 40 days and after he came out of that place for 40 days he took a stroll through galilee and everybody who had a disease he touched and they were healed and everybody who had an ailment he touched and they were healed i'm serving a god who could do all things but fail come on somebody shout amen if you agree with that this morning hallelujah you've got to scare the trials that we face in the face Don't be telling God about your problems because God already knows. I want you to start telling your problems about God. Woo! Did y'all catch what I just said? Stop telling your problems about, stop telling your God about your problems. He already know your problems. Tell your problems about your God. God is bigger than your problems. Tell your problems about your God. Tell your enemy. Watch this. Use the enemy's weapons against him. That's what David did. David said, I'm going to defeat you, Goliath. And when I'm done defeating you, guess what? I'm going to take your own weapon and I'm going to chop your head off. That's what he said. I'm going to take your weapon and chop your head off. And guess what the enemy's weapons are during this crisis? The enemy's weapons are fear. And you need to look at the enemy and say, at the name of Jesus, even demons tremble. At the name of Jesus, demons have to flee. The enemy's weapon is doubt. And you need to look that old devil in the face and say, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. And so I don't have no doubts that God could do it because he helps me make the best decisions. I can make he is the one that gives me my common sense ah the the, the weapons that the enemy uses hallelujah our anxiety and you need to look that devil in the face and take the posture of Paul when he spoke to the people in Rome and he said and I am convinced that nothing could ever separate me from God's love neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow not even the powers of hell could separate us from God's love no power in the sky or above or in the earth below indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord that's what you need to tell the devil just like Jesus did when he was out there in the wilderness and everything that the enemy tried to tell him to get him to turn away Jesus quoted back scripture to sit that old devil down and that's what you got to do in this season when the enemy tries to put fear in your heart. Remind him what god's word says when he tries to put doubt in your word, in your mark in your heart Remind him what god's word says when he tries to intimidate you by telling you you ain't gonna get it better Try to tell him what god has said in his word I want to tell you and i'll end right here Even though we're in this valley moment As a songwriter once said There's a lily In the valley Bright as the morning star Amen. Amen. And amen. We are in this together. God bless you, my brothers and my sisters. Hallelujah. Listen, I don't know where you are in your walk today. And when I say that, you hear me say that often in your walk. How are you walking today? Are you walking with the righteous? Are you walking alone? Are you in a relationship with Christ? If you are not in a relationship with Christ, I want to help you get that today. I want you to have and possess the same thing David possessed, that confidence that while you're in this valley moment, you don't have to fear for you know that God is with you. His rod and his staff, they protect you. I want to give you that same confidence today, but that confidence only comes in a relationship with Christ. If you're not a Christian, if you're not saved, if you want to rededicate your life, I want to extend an invitation for you to do that today. Would you do me do me do me this one thing? I want you to lift your hands in the air as a posture of surrender. And when we lift our hands in the air, we do that for two reasons. One, we lift our hands in the air to say we praise you, God. But we also lift our hands in the air. Watch this. As a sign of surrender, I surrender who I am, all I am in exchange for all you are. So if that's you today, you want to give your life to Christ, lift your hands in the air. And I want you to pray pray this with me. Say, Father, forgive me for I've sinned. Forgive me for staying away for so long. I confess that I'm a sinner in need of your grace. God, I believe that you are indeed, this, that Jesus is your son and you are his father and that he died on the cross and rose again three days for us. And God, I believe that if I believe that in my heart and confess that with my mouth, I'm saved. Accept me back into relationship with you today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Listen, if you made that decision today, welcome to the family.